If you don't have a Bible and you uh, like that one, uh, please feel free to keep it as our gift to you. So please follow along as I read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, if the Lord is our shepherd, then that means that we are his sheep. Sheep were incredibly important to the culture of the Old Testament. There are many references to the care and feeding of sheep. Wealth was measured in sheep. Sheep were used in bartering. Sheep were used as an offering to God. And when you look, hundreds of thousands of sheep were taken as plunder by conquering armies. The city of Jerusalem even had a sheep gate. Our likeness to sheep is also talked about often in the Bible. In the book of Ezekiel in chapter 34, God says, And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. If you spent any time in your life around sheep, you know that they're very helpless and timid animals. Mostly when you're around them, you realize that sheep are pretty stupid. Now, that's not a word we use around our house very much. Stupid is, is a mean word, but, I mean, sheep are really are stupid. Without a good shepherd, sheep will die. And we are sheep seriously in need of a good shepherd. So that brings us to the first point we'll talk about today. Let's take some time and look at the identity of our shepherd, the identity of our shepherd. In Israel, as in other ancient cultures, if a family needed a shepherd, it was always the youngest son, like David, who was given this disagreeable task. Work as a shepherd was the bottom rung of the ladder. The shepherd had to live with their sheep 24 hours a day, constantly caring for them and watching over them. Day and night, in good weather and bad, rain or shine, always guiding and protecting their sheep. Who would seriously volunteer to become a shepherd? But verse 1 tells us that the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord we really need to understand the magnitude of that one verse. This is the Old Testament personal name for God, the great I Am, the eternal Jehovah who is unchanging, the all-powerful creator of the universe, the God who flung the stars in place and knows them by name. And he has stooped so low 
and taken the least lovely job to be our shepherd. This is the level of intimacy that God has chosen to have with us. As the Father has promised to be our shepherd, so also, so also has his son Jesus. When the Pharisees grumbled about Jesus hanging around with stupid, cheap sinners, this is what he told them in Luke chapter 15. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. We see the intimate individual care of our shepherd searching us out and carrying us home on his shoulders. But even more remarkable is the way that Jesus describes himself as our shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. For the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. We are a part of the one flock under the intimate, loving care of the one shepherd. The second half of verse 1 tells us, I shall not want... As I said before, sheep are stupid. They can hardly do anything for themselves and need constant care and attention of the shepherd to survive. And in an eternal sense, we also can do nothing about the state of sin in our lives. But if we belong to and are intimately known and cared for by the one shepherd, we will lack nothing. For he is sufficient for all things and will provide for us. This brings us to the second point today. Let's take a closer look at the provision of our shepherd. The provision of our shepherd. Much of the rest of the psalm gives us the details 
of just what the loving care of our shepherd looks like. First of all, he wants to give us rest. He wants to give us rest. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Philip Keller is an author and pastor who was also a shepherd for eight years of his life. As a shepherd himself, he gives a unique insight into the deeper meanings of the provision described by David the shepherd. It literally is a shepherd interpreting a shepherd for us. He's written a great book, which I highly recommend to you, called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Keller explains that sheep do not lie down easily. In fact, he says it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owning to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Because of the social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. Lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. Fear, social friction, pests... And hunger, small things in life that continually can distract us. To help us understand how timid sheep are, Keller tells a story of a friend coming to visit his house with a little Pekingese pup along in the car. This little tiny dog. So as the car door opens, this pup jumps out of the car onto the grass and just one glimpse of this little tiny unexpected dog was enough so that over 200 sheep that were resting nearby jumped up and ran across the pasture in fear. That's the sheer terror and timidity of sheep. But what Keller has learned in spending his time with sheep, other than observing these characteristics of them, is he came to realize that nothing so quieted his sheep and comforted them than his presence in the field with them. And so it is with us. We live lives full of uncertainty. For most of us, it is the unknown and unexpected that causes us to have the most anxiety. Have you ever heard that some people say the word fear is actually can be an acronym? The F-E-A-R can stand for false evidence appearing real. And that's how we feel in life. The unknown and the unexpected is what gives us anxiety. But this verse should remind us that we should live our lives resting in the Good Shepherd. Jesus says in Matthew 11.28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that helps us to remember the care of the Good Shepherd and to ease fear from our hearts. 
Verse 2 also tells us that the good shepherd leads us to still waters. Keller describes that when sheep are thirsty, they become restless and continually move about searching for water. He tells a story of seeing sheep in equatorial Africa being led into these great caverns that had been hewn out of the sandstone alongside sandy rivers. And these caverns had troughs at their bottom uh, that the sheep could drink from. The herds could drink without fear from these cool, clear, still waters. But what he also observed is down in the well, in the cistern, was the shepherd constantly bailing out water for the sheep. It was hard, heavy, hot work, and the shepherd sweated under the burden of providing for the sheep. Again, it all depended on the shepherd. His energy, his labor, his strength is what kept the flock satisfied. And so it is with us. All too often, we try to satisfy our own spiritual thirst by drinking from mud puddles of our own making. But as Jesus told the Sumerian woman by the well in John 4, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The next provision of the good shepherd is that he guides us. He guides us. Verse 3 says he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first part of the verse refers to our spiritual and physical health. Often we have times in our lives when we feel defeated and frustrated. David expresses a time like this when he cries out in Psalm 42, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Looking again at the sheep metaphor, Keller explains that there's a situation known to shepherds as a cast-down sheep. And it's likely that this is what David was referring to. What happens is that a fat or heavy or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground. It may roll on its side slightly to stretch out or relax. But suddenly, the center of gravity in its body shifts so that it turns on its back far enough that its feet are no longer touching the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically. Frequently, this only makes things worse. It rolls over even further, and now it is quite impossible to regain its feet. Is that just ridiculous? As I said, sheep are helpless. Without the intervention from the shepherd... It can some, in some cases, within a few hours, those sheep can die. When we find ourselves cast down and spiritually on our backs, we must remember, as David said, hope in God, telling himself, hope in God, and the good shepherd, Jesus, will restore us. 
Another aspect of sheep is their tendency to just wander off. Even when brought to the nicest, greenest pastures, they will wander away. Isaiah said in chapter 53, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. But our shepherd searches us out, leads us back to the safety of the flock, taking our burdens upon himself and bringing us back to the paths of righteousness so that he will receive the honor and glory. The final provision of our shepherd is that he protects us. He protects us. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is probably the most quoted verse of this chapter. There's many applications uh, for people in life. This verse talks about the shepherd's ability to protect his sheep in times of danger. When David volunteered to go face Goliath, he explained his qualifications by battle for recounting the times when he as a shepherd had faced lions and bears protecting his flock. It is good to see here that the valley of the shadow of death is just as much God's path for our life as are the green pastures and the still waters. The plan God has for our lives are promised to be good, but that does not always mean easy or painless. It is important to see, though, that this is the valley of the shadow of death, only a shadow. You see, as one of his flock, the good shepherd has already conquered death. Our physical bodies will one day perish, but we will live with him in eternity. Also, in the second half of this verse, notice how the, the person of the pronoun changes. Rather than talking about the shepherd, saying he will do this, now the psalmist is talking to him, saying, you are with me. We are all the more conscious of the presence of our shepherd when we pass through the valleys of life. As the old saying goes, there are no atheists in foxholes. As we continue in the psalm from here, the level of intimacy increases. The psalmist continues to talk to his caregiver and not about him. The analogy of a shepherd doesn't seem to fit very well from here either. Instead, the imagery is such that we see our third point. We see the care of a friend. The care of a friend. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Normally, when a soldier is in the presence of the enemy, meals are hastily eaten. In the service today, we have something called an MRE, which stands for Meals Ready to Eat. It is a plastic pouch that fits nicely in your pack. It has other plastic pouches of various kinds of food and crackers and candy inside it. If they are kept under 70 degrees, they will stay good for five years, they say. 
I always thought it was interesting that inside an MRE are also two small bottles of Tabasco sauce. So that's a testament to their wonderful taste. Uh, most of the, us who have actually eaten an MRE think that it really stands for Meals Rarely Edible. <clears throat> and some of the fancy ones even come with a little chemical heater pack that if you have some extra water and you have the time, you can warm up your food. But most of the time, you usually just eat it cold, taking just enough time to choke it down and then get back to either sleeping or fighting. But that is not the picture drawn for us here. Though the enemy is at the gate, chaos swirls around us. A table is laid out. You can imagine the clean linens, the beautiful dishes, the fine silverware. Nothing is hurried. There's no confusion. There's no disturbances. And the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were at perfect peace. In ancient times, to eat at someone's table created a bond of mutual loyalty. And to pour perfumed oil on the head of a distinguished guest was an act of great respect. Anointing with oil was used to designate high priests and the king of Israel. And the cup that we see not only has all that you could want, but more than enough, such that it overflows with the generosity of a friend. This is the peace and provision that the Lord has for us, even in the midst of the most trying circumstances of our life. And finally, in verse 6, says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The picture from verse 5 is that of a guest who comes and is lavishly treated. But here we see that this lavish treatment will be ours forever. Goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. The sorrows and joys, journeys and rest, temporary calm and frequent struggles that we will experience all the rest of the days of our lives here on earth should give us assurance that there is an eternal end to which they all point and for which they all prepare us. A friend or a servant only stays for a while, but a son is welcome in the house of his father forever. Friends, I hope today that you feel the care of the shepherd in your lives as one of his sheep, and that you have the assurance of a son who will dwell in the father's house forever. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have chosen to draw so draw us so close to you as for us to be your sheep and for you to be our shepherd and for you to send your son to be the one shepherd and that we might be known by him 
and cared for by him in such an intimate and personal way. And Lord, I just pray that if there are those among us today who don't know you as their shepherd, that you would reach into their hearts, Lord, and just change them and draw them into your flock. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.